Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Welcome to week number four in our series, Money Matters. We're wrapping up the series here today. How many of you have enjoyed the series so far? Amen. Well, is that all? I'm going to just resign. Amen. (laughs) Over these weeks, we've uncovered some principles related to our money and our finances that I hope will help us all to learn to live financially free because it is not God's will for any of us to live in any kind of bondage. Amen? Amen. Our text for our series has been Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. I want to read it to you again today. It says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, over the last month here, we've week number one, we, by the way, I want to say hi to anybody who's watching online. Glad you could join us. In week number one, we talked about what money is and what its role is in our lives. In week number two, we talked about what debt is and is there good debt or acceptable debt and then also reasons to say no to debt. And then last week, I gave you... Some principles for digging out of debt, eight of them. Real quick, here they were. Make a decision, pray for God's help, keep good records, plan your spending, enjoy what you have, give, work the plan, and then don't give up, right? So, we've talked about the spending side of the equation, but there's another side to this equation as well, and that is it also makes a difference in how we earn our money. Amen. Money, 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 right? If there is any hope for us to be financially free, it also includes the need to work and earn money. But hear me, we also have to have a balanced approach to it. And we have to approach this subject the right way. So I want to preach on this this subject today to wrap this series up, the balancing act. The balancing act. Now, God provides many ways First people to prosper. Amen. Anybody who's ever been blessed by the Lord, say amen. amen. Right? And often he does miraculous things, you know, much to our amazement and our delight. But there's also something called the law of the harvest from which many sources can come from. Now, we love the miraculous stories, don't we? I mean, we love them even in the Bible. Those are the ones that get us excited, right? Like the lady with the little bit of oil, and she went and borrowed all these vessels and jars from her neighbors, and God filled all of those up. We love that story of the boy with the lunch, and he had five loaves and two fish, and he fed thousands of people. Amen. We love the story where they found the coin in the fish's mouth. We love miraculous stories provision. Amen? Man, and we love the stories that happen that we hear about, and sometimes even us, the check in the mail that nobody expected. Amen? Come on, the stranger behind you that pays for your groceries in the grocery store. The 401k from a job you worked 20 years ago, and all of a sudden, you get a little payout that you didn't expect. That rich uncle that you didn't even know, or the one that you didn't even like, And he dies and leaves you with an unexpected inheritance. Miracles inspire us, right? They excite us. But hear me, they can also cause us to get an entitlement attitude with God and want us to begin to live our lives in a way where we rely on God to to bail us out when we get in a jam. Now, by the way, I don't want to disappoint you, but if you ever expect to manipulate God into bailing you out, out of every financial mess, you're going to be sorely disappointed, right? And occasionally, though, God, by his great mercy, he will make a way where there seems to be no way, right? He does it, right? But I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be real honest with you right now, those miraculous provision moments, they are the exception and not the rule. And the reason for that is 
God's plan is for us to develop our character and our integrity and our gifts through the discipline of working and saving to provide for ourselves. I've had people say, well, brother, I'm just going to live by faith. Well, man, that's great to a degree, but I'm going to tell you right now, straight up, it takes more than faith to pay your rent and your utilities. Can I just tweak the verse for a little bit? Faith without work is dead. (laughs) The scripture is works, right? But faith without work is dead when it comes to finances. Now, if you're not sure if someone you know, or dare we say it, if you have an entitlement mentality or not, Here's how to find out. See how they react when somebody doesn't bail them out. Oh, they're going to get mad at their parents because they finally cut them off. Or they might get mad at the church because the church wouldn't pay their bills for them yet again. Or maybe they get mad at their mother-in-law for not helping them out yet another time. See, these are the same people who get angry or jealous at those who are blessed with a good job. Or those who God blesses them in some way with good finances. And they wonder why other people are always getting all the breaks. They might even get mad at God. But let me just admonish you today. Don't live by the entitlement mindset or the I am just waiting for my miracle mentality. See, the way that God typically works, and this is what we're going to talk about here today, is God allows his people to prosper by something called the law of the harvest. And it's real simple. It's not complicated. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Here it is. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. What? A man reaps what he sows. Now, Jesus and his disciples, they talked a lot to farmers. And they, they were a lot of what they did was in an agricultural community. So they used a lot of farming uh, parables and analogies. At this passage, though, is really simple. You reap. What you sow. God's plan to prosper us is, in other words, sowing or work. What does the verse say? No sowing, no what? No reaping. Amen. The problem is not that most of us don't work. I'm going to help us here today. The problem is our attitude about our work. Let me give you some scripture. Ecclesiastes 11 and 6. Plant your seed in the morning. And keep busy all afternoon. By the way, there's your good scripture for working all day. (laughs) For you don't know. Now look at this. If profit's going to come from one activity or another, maybe both. Okay? In other words, it says stay busy morning, afternoon, maybe even more than one stream of income. It says because you don't know where your profit or your increase is going to come from. Man, isn't it great that the Bible talks about real life stuff. It talks about principles for how we should live our lives. Uh, Look at Isaiah 30 verse 23. He will also send you rain. Now notice this. Don't miss this. For the seed that you sow in the ground. Now notice he didn't say he's going to send you rain for the seed that you wish you had. He didn't say he's going to send you rain for all the seed that you gobbled up and ate. (laughs) Come on, he didn't say he's going to send you rain for the seed that you wish you had. He's going to send rain on the seed that you put in the ground. In other words, you got to work. Now, how much seed should we be sowing? 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. You decide. But this I say, he who sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly. Amen? He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So I guess the answer to that question is, how much do you want to reap? All right? Look at that same verse from the NLT. I love it. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds is going to get what? Small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, in order to reap a harvest, you've got to be willing to sow seed into the ground. And God's plan for you to prosper is this. You have to get in the game, you got to get to work, you got to be the best you can be at whatever you do, and you got to earn your way. Can all the believers say amen? amen. I'm going to help somebody here today, amen? Now, let me say this right before I dig in. Some of you can't work. I understand that. Some folks have disabilities. 
Some folks have health issues. Some folks have extenuating circumstances that affect their ability to work. We get that, amen? So I'm not here to beat up on you if you're on disability or for whatever reason you can't work, amen? Others of you are looking for work, okay? And by the way, if you're unemployed, you need to make work out of looking for work. What do I mean by that? I don't mean, okay, well, I can ride out this for eight more months. My checks run out in August. Then I can get my COVID check. And then I'm going to get, let's see, let me see how long I can sit on the couch. No, 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 that's not how you do it either. By the way, also, there's another person that I want. Some of you are retired. God bless you. We envy you. Can I just tell you, we envy you in a good Holy Ghost way. Amen. (laughs) Come on. Tell your neighbor, say, I want to be like you when I grow up. We really do envy you. We envy that you've worked your whole life and you've been financially savvy enough to retire. Let's applaud them. Amen. We envy you. But for the rest of us, I want to talk to you about the earning balance. I want to talk to you about the earning balance. This whole work thing is a balancing act. And there are two extremes that we can fall into if we're not careful. On this platform, you see a couch. You also see a lazy man. No, he's not really a lazy man in real life. Would you, it's almost lunchtime. Would you like us to order you a pizza? Yes. Uh, that ain't going to happen. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> ain't going to happen. Amen. <laughs> and here's a verse that will help explain what the couch represents. Are you ready? Proverbs 26, 14. I love this verse. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in his bed. I love this verse from the Living Bible. It says this, he sticks to his bed like a door to its hinges. Lazy people love the couch. What's happening? The lazy man's not getting off the couch. He's somebody who says... I'm just not going to take this whole work thing seriously. I don't take my responsibility to earn money seriously. I'm just going to have an entitlement mentality. Or at least I'm just going to have a mentality where I'm going to do just enough. Everybody say just enough to scrape by. Because somebody owes me. The world owes me. The government owes me. My parents owe me. I'm going to stay on the couch and I just see, I just expect money to come my way. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to do just what this guy's doing. I'm going to update my Facebook profile. I'm going to look at my TikTok videos. Amen. I'm just going to hang out by the couch and I'm just living by faith. Hallelujah. But you know, yeah, you know what the Bible says though? That's not how it works. I want to help some people today. The Christian faith says you've got to get off of the couch. You've got to get into action. See, you thought I was going to give you some mystical, magical formula about how to earn more money. I'm telling you how to earn more money. Get off the couch. Produce. Look at 1 Timothy 5 and 8. He actually takes it a step further. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, you know what it says people who live on the couch are like? He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If you're not willing to provide for your own, it says you're worse than an unbeliever. Amen. Well, I'm spiritual. Well, not if you're lazy. Matter of fact, you want to have some lazy people? Look at Proverbs 10, 4 and 5. Lazy hands make a man poor. That's in a different version. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Notice the equation. It's not complicated. Lazy equals poor. Diligent equals wealthy. And by the way, now if you're watching online, I know there's people that watch in other states. I'm just going to say this to the audience that's right here. If you live in the Richmond, Virginia area, there is work out there. People say, well, that job doesn't pay very well. Well, let me tell you what else doesn't pay well. What's up, brother? Hey, by the way, have you ever noticed birds of a feather flock together? Amen. 
Them lazy suckers always got somebody else that's lazy to hang out with. Amen. Come on, man. Come on over. Let's play some video games. Mom's going to order us pizza. We're going to hang out. We're going to ride this gravy train. Woo! As long as we can. This doesn't pay very well either, folks. You say, well, I'm looking for my dream job. Well, I hope your dream includes paying your rent and buying some food. It's not what I want to do. Sorry, but hear me. It will do until you find what you want to do. By the way, when I say working, let me just say this also. If you work at home raising your family, God bless you. We need to quit throwing shade at stay-at-home moms and dads. Come on, somebody. Amen. We need to not treat them like they're somehow less than you are because they, you have a nine-to-five and a family, and they get to stay home and raise their kids. I just want to say that because you'd be surprised how some people treat stay-at-home moms and dads. Amen. By the way, some of them have made a choice and a huge sacrifice to do that. Amen? They've made some sacrifices. They ought to be celebrated, not, in, not, in, not mocked and envied. Right? There we are. I just do that in for all you stay-at-home moms and dads for free. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you, the greatest job you'll ever have is raising your kids. It is. Here's another verse, though, Ephesians 4, 28. If you're a thief, quit stealing. And instead, notice this. Look what it says. Use your hands for what? Good, hard work. That's three words we don't all like to hear, right? Use your hands for good, hard work, and then what? Now notice, now he's going to raise the bar. Then give generously to others in need. What? You mean I got to provide for my own? Yeah, and you know what? And you don't want to just settle there. Get to a place where you can also bless others that are in need. Amen. Don't just get off the couch to support yourself. The Bible sets the standard even higher. Now say, if we, it says that we need to work and we use, the news, our, use our hands for good, hard work and earn enough money to eventually get to that place. That's how high the Bible sets the bar. I didn't give them this verse, but Ecclesiastes 4 and 5 says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Ruins themselves. In other words, not just financially, but physically, emotionally, mentally. Hear me, your self-esteem tanks, your, your, your doubt, you begin to doubt your self-worth. Hear me, if you study the Bible on this subject I'm talking about today, there's a direct relationship between laziness and self-disintegration. There is. Amen. There's a connection between the refusal to earn money and the loss of self-respect. God says... I have made human beings in my own image. And let me just ask you, what was God doing in the very first chapter of the Bible? Making stuff. <laughs> he was creating stuff. Amen. And what did God do when he created human beings? He put within us this enormous intelligence and talent and decision-making ability and the ability to organize and evaluate and create and experience and problem-solve. God gave some of you academic ability, some of you musical ability, some of you, he gave you skills with your hands and mechanical ability. And, and, and here we are, we are God's masterpieces. Hey, turn to your neighbor right now, look at him and say, you're looking at a Picasso, honey. Come on, we are God's masterpieces. And by the way, I'm going to talk about this a little bit next Sunday in our Dream Team Sunday. God gave you gifts. He wants you to use them. Amen. And that includes the ability to create through a thing called labor. Come on. Labor, which is purposeful activity that will achieve a good end. And that purposeful activity, working, laboring, it stimulates and challenges our thoughts and our abilities that God put into our life. And see, when you work, you grow as a person. Your discernment and competency sharpens over time. Your personal disciplines grows. Your character deepens. Your skills become enhanced. Amen. All of this happens for God's glory and also for the satisfaction, fulfillment, and growth. And then there's also one other benefit. Labor brings moolah. Money, 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 right? Psalm 128, verse 2. When you eat the labor of your hands, you're going to be happy. 
and it shall be well with you. Now, I don't have a garden anymore. I used to have a garden. I loved it. I gave up because my garden spot, it was too shady, and there was, it stayed wet all the time. But, man, I'll never forget when I would pick my tomatoes out of my garden, there was not a tomato that ever tasted as good as the one that I grew with my own hands. Amen. There's just something about it, right? You get to enjoy the fruit of your labor. It's the same way we work. There's pride that we take when we work hard for what we have. Labor produces money. Amen. Now, let's talk about this. Let's dig a little bit deeper. Colossians 3.23, you ready? How are we supposed to work? In all the work you're doing, are you ready? Oh, I wish the Bible wasn't so clear. Work the best you can. What's the best I can? Work as if you were doing it for the Lord. Oh, and not for people. What? Man, you didn't know the Bible had so much to say about money and work, did you? Man, don't you wish this verse wasn't so transparent? I don't got to take five minutes to unpack this. You don't need no Greek, no Hebrew, no Aramaic. Amen. You don't need me to bust out the strong concordance. It just says work the best you can. And do it like you're doing it for the Lord. You know what other, other versions say? It says, work heartily as unto the Lord. Right. A couple of the versions say, work with all your heart. So let me just ask you a couple quick questions. Are you ready? Here's the first question. Are you working? Are you working? Amen. Unless you're in those categories that I said, disabled or unemployed and looking for work or retired, are you working? Are you taking seriously God's command to get into the game and get off the couch? And the next question is, are you working? Here it is. Are you working the best you can? Woo, this is a tough one. And this is where we need to park the car for a minute. It's critically important. You cannot just show up and clock in and go on cruise control all week and expect to get rewarded in the end. I'm going to give you some gold here today, amen? If you want to know how to make more money, if you want to know how to get promoted, if you want to know how to get a better job than the job you've got, if you want to know how to eventually go into business for yourself, come on, you've got to work hard. Right. Work hard. Amen. Something that I learned from my dad that I really appreciate was that he always demonstrated to me the importance of working hard. My dad passed away a couple of years ago, but I cannot remember a single time when my dad was either not working or looking hard for work. Amen. If he was between jobs, he always created work. Painting, my dad uh, painted, so whenever, uh, uh, he was a painter at one time, so whenever he was out of work, he would try to paint. Somebody's house, try to paint their rooms. My dad could work on cars. My dad did a, my dad was always trying to hustle. I remember we would, and now this was even when he was working. We would cut wood, and my dad would load up the truck, and we would go to Chamberlain Farms Shopping Center. Come on, anybody know where that is? Off of Wilkerson and, uh, and, and route uh, uh, and, and Chamberlain Road, amen. And we would go over there and we would park that truck and my dad would put a for sale sign on one side of the truck, a for sale sign on the back, and a for sale sign on the tailgate, just in case you missed us. <laughs> and he would wait for somebody, and that's the way we used to do it. Somebody would drive up, how much is a load of wood? Then the haggling and the bartering would begin. They would settle on a price. We would go and unload the wood, and if we had time, we'd go back to the house and load up another one and do it again. Sometimes I think we drank up all the profits. This is where I learned about 7-Eleven money. My dad drank coffee, and he would buy me hot chocolate, and we would sit there. Man, I wish I had a cell phone back then. Amen. <laughs> but I learned, hear me, there is no such thing as menial or bad work. Right. Now, I've practiced what I've preached on this point. Now, I know me better than I know anybody else, but let me just tell you about my life. You want to know what jobs I've had? These are real jobs. I've bagged groceries, I've flipped burgers, I've cut wood, I've done landscaping, I was a dishwasher, I was a busboy, I worked at Bonanza cooking steaks, I've loaded trucks for UPS, that might have been the hardest job I've ever had. I've sat on farm tractors for hours a day baling hay, I've mowed lawns, I've picked tomatoes and watermelons one summer, the entire summer, I've stocked shelves, I worked at uh, Blackwell Chevrolet in Jackson, Mississippi, amen, I delivered auto parts. 
I've done electrical work, painting, roofing, carpentry, sheetrock. By the way, I was terrible at sheetrock. Don't ever ask me to hang any sheetrock. <laughs> Amen. I worked in a print shop. I sold vacuum cleaners, rainbow vacuum cleaners. I worked for hospitals installing life alerts in homes of senior citizens. And by the way, folks, I did every one of those jobs before I was 24 years old. All those jobs. Some of those jobs I worked only one day or one weekend or one week. But I worked. Amen. Since age 24, I've had three jobs. Electrician, lead pastor, and realtor. I've had as many as three jobs at one time. By the way, that was when I was in college. So don't you college kids tell me you can't work while you're in school. Oh, I need to study. You need to work too. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I get a little help from the parents paying their kids' way through school? Hallelujah. Cry me a river. <laughs> I've only been unemployed for two weeks since I was 16 years old. Now, I'm not saying that to brag. But I'm just telling you, I've always thought that making bad money was better than no money. Whatever I was doing was better than being this guy. Yeah, keep looking at your phone. Amen. Hallelujah. Work is a good thing, no matter what kind of work you do. Let me pop another bubble. Let's quit making such a distinction between white-collar work and blue-collar work. Work is work. We need roofers. We need bankers. We need lawyers. We need mechanics. We need doctors. We need preachers. We need farmers. You do whatever it is that God called you and skilled you to do. Now, how do I know, going back to our verse, if I'm working as unto the Lord? Here's a real simple question to ask yourself. Would my supervisor put me in the top 10% of those people that work in my organization? Would he put me in the top 10%? Because here's what I know. All of us want to make top 10 money. Amen. Right? We all want the privileges of, of being the top 10% producers. But if you want to be the top 10% earner, you got to be a top 10% worker. People want promotions, but they want to miss a day every week. Or they want to show up late. Come on, I'm just trying to help you right now. People want raises, but they don't want to produce. Hear me, you can greatly enhance your job security and your pay scale by working hard as if you were working as unto the Lord. Right. Are you working hardly as unto the Lord? Somebody that works as unto the Lord, somebody that works with great intensity and integrity. It's somebody that works with joy. It's somebody that has a cooperative attitude toward leadership and colleagues. It's somebody with a can-do spirit. Amen. You've got to have a good attitude. You remember the old question, what would Jesus do? Let me put a spin on it. What would Jesus do if he was your manager? <laughs> what would he do if he was your supervisor? Amen. Would he give you a raise or would he give you a pink slip? See, if we work the way the Bible says to work, you will be honored and you will grow in the workplace. Christians, I'm going to say it, we ought to be the hardest working, least complaining, best attitude people on the job. Amen. I'm telling you the secret to earning more money on your job or finding a job that will pay you what you're worth or working your way to a place where you can start your own business. If you work the way I'm talking about, you're going to get the raises. Amen. You're going to get the promotions. You're going to get the bonuses. You're going to be the one closing the deals. Come on. You're going to get the uh, offer to be the next foreman or the next supervisor or the next manager. Or guess what? God's going to open the door for you to go somewhere where you will be appreciated. Amen. Here's a proven fact of life. Are you ready? Earnings tend to flow toward those who work hardly as unto the Lord. I know this message ain't going to make some of you jump up and bite chunks out of the ceiling today. That's all right. I'm telling you. John Maxwell, who gives talks about this kind of stuff, he said, if you want to get ahead, he said, you got to work by the and then some principle. Amen? It's giving that 5% extra. Amen? And don't be like this guy. Get off the couch. Everybody say, get off the couch. Thank you, Kevin. Let's give Kevin a big hand. By the way, Kevin's not lazy, amen. He's not lazy. Now, I want us to jump on over to the other side of the balancing act. Because there is another side to this perspective. And that is the earning addiction. Now, 
I'm going to show you something here that represents somebody who is addicted to working and having money. See, there's the opposite of the couch, and that is the workaholic. Some people are so caught up earning money that without that daily or weekly extra fix, they don't know what to do with themselves. The first time you experience that overtime check. <laughs> Woo the first time you get that, job, that check from the second job, man, that extra money feels so good. The first time that you get that big fat bonus for that extra sale. Now, let me say this about the workaholic. Guess what? Most of them didn't start out with the intention of becoming an earning addict. Most of us start out because you had noble intentions. You wanted to do what was right. You wanted to do what was right by your family. I'm going to work a little bit harder because we're going to get out of debt. I'm going to work a little bit harder to pay off this student loan. I'm going to work a little bit harder to pay off these two car payments so we can start living on a budget and we can get out of debt. But guess what? The, you didn't stop. And you got addicted. And you just loved it. And you're like, you know what? I know I need to go out of town and spend a little bit of time with my family, but I need my fix. I know I never get to go to any of the kids' games at school, but they understand. I'm doing this for them. I know my wife and I haven't been out to eat in so long, I can't even tell you the last time we went on a date. But she understands because I'm doing this for our future. I just need another earning fix. And see, some of us, we don't realize it, but we can become addicted to the earning cycle. See, you didn't intend to become a junkie. You just accepted the responsibility of earning money through human labor. You started working diligently and heartily, and you started stretching your abilities, and you received a certain amount of rewards for it. And you're like, hey, man, this feels so good. We got rid of this debt. Why don't I just keep doing this? Then we can pay cash for this, or we can go on this trip. And you started feeling this sense of dignity. But most workaholics, they don't even realize it, but they get caught in this trap, and they become addicted to other things. You know what a workaholic can become addicted to? Power. Power. Some people want to earn more and more and climb higher and higher because not just to feel dignity, they want to feel like deity. Amen? After all, we all know if you earn a lot of money and you achieve a high position in the marketplace, you start feeling a little bit like a demigod. Right? You don't got to answer to nobody. You're bossing people around. You get a little bit of taste of that power. And let me tell you something, folks. Power is intoxicating. I'm my own boss. Nobody going to tell me what to do. I work my own hours. Guess what? You better jump when I say jump, and you better say how high. See, people get intoxicated and addicted to the power. So you've got one perspective, but there's another whole side of this thing. People also get addicted to the applause. Oh, what a hard worker they are. Look how much money they're earning. Man, look what they've done for their family. Susie gets to stay at home and watch the kids. It's because Johnny is such a good worker. Let's give him some love. Big earners in our culture earn very high esteem, even if they like virtue, even if they like morals. Come on, we, we, we do it. We reward and we envy the rich people in our society. It doesn't matter how many people they had to step on to get there. By the way, if you tell an earning addict that their work addiction is destroying their marriage, you know what the average earning addict will do? They just look at you and they're like, they honestly, they don't get it. They're like, what? You tell an earning addict that they're not ever spending any time with their children, you know what they'll do? They'll look at you and go, I'm doing it for them. You tell an earning addict that, you know what, that was good. You worked that second job, but you've been working that second job for nine years now. You can stop. You know what they'll do? But I've gotten used to the extra money. I had somebody come up to me after service, first service. Let me tell you, this is real. And you know what they did? They've been working a part-time job for X number of years, and they said, the Lord convicted me and told me I need to stop that job right now. Because I'm making enough on my other job, and God's going to take care of my needs. 
See, some of us, we don't even know that we're caught in the trap. We're caught in the trap. You got to be careful. It's a balancing act. You're telling addict, a Christian addict, that they never get to come to church, you know what they go? Oh, I have to work. Or I'm doing this for my family. But really, they're choosing to. Jesus once asked the guy, and I paraphrase it, I'm almost done. He said, are you going to stay addicted to the point where you try to gain the whole world and still lose your soul? Folks, you got to find the right balance. Amen. If you have never met a workaholic, you, trust me, you cannot appreciate that it really is one of the most powerful addictions that you can have. They're constantly pushing themselves. I got to hit new goals. They never celebrate a win. They're ready for the next win. They got to produce more. They got to become more efficient. They got to just do more, 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 more. But it easily can become toxic because too much of a good thing can become a bad thing. Amen. Now, I just read an article this week from one of my favorite Christian bloggers. His name is Pastor Kerry Newhoff. And this is what the name of the article was. And I wanted to give him credit because I'm going to use some of his points here. It was called Nine Warning Signs You Are Suffering from Toxic Productivity. And I thought, man, this is a great article, just in time for my sermon. I'm going to share with you six of the nine points from his article. I've tweaked them a little bit to fit this message. And here's what I'm going to call it. Six warning signs that you might be an earning addict. Amen. Are you ready? Number one, you might be an earning addict if you can't take a break. People who never take a break end up breaking. Tweet that. Write that down. Live by that, right? One sign you're an earning addict is if you find yourself unable or unwilling to ever take a rest. Everything in your life has become about being more efficient and more productive. And this means you end up spending too much time working. Folks, hear me. We were not designed to work all day, every day of our lives without a break. Even God took a day off in the book of Genesis. He did all this work for six days, and it said, and God rested. God took a day off. The American Psychology Association did a study that shows that taking breaks actually makes you more productive and increases both your job and life satisfaction. You also might be an earning addict of number one. You have no hobbies or no life. <laughs> Amen. Outside of work. And by the way, hear me, a hobby is not taking time off from work to watch Netflix or YouTube or TikTok. That's not a hobby. Let me tell you what a hobby is by definition. A hobby costs you both time and money. It does. It should be all about taking your focus off of, and it might be cycling, it might be woodworking, it might be golfing or cooking or painting or gardening or whatever. Something to unplug from work. By the way, if you cannot answer the question, what is your hobby in 10 seconds or less, you don't have one. Amen. See, I don't need a hobby. We all need a break. We all need something to disconnect from work from. Come on, is this all right? You might be an earning addict, number three, if you work because you can, and you almost always can. What do I mean by that? Technology means that for many of us, work now follows us everywhere we go, via our phones and our laptops. You used to have to go to the office to go to work. Now the office comes to you wherever you are, right? And because you can work, earning uh, addicts usually do work all the time. Let me just give you an example. I'm not a workaholic. I feel like I'm a good worker, a hard worker. I think I've got balance. By the way, don't we all, right? <laughs> but my wife's been out of town this past week. And you know what I found out this past week? By the way, and I hate being by myself. If you know me, you know that's true. I don't like to eat by myself. I don't like to watch TV by myself. I drive my kids crazy when I'm by myself. FaceTiming every five minutes. I'm always calling. I'm driving them crazy. Amen. But you know what I found out? With my wife out of town, there were lots of opportunities for me to work. I'd crack open the laptop. I'd work on this. I'd work on the next message. I'd do some extra church work. Uh, Pastor Rodney is out. He's recovering very well from his surgery, by the way. He's been out. Amen. Hopefully, he'll be back in the next week or two. But you know what? So I've been covering a little bit of stuff. In and you know what I found? There's lots of opportunities to work. But then I thought about it. What if I live like this all the time, even when my wife is present? 
What if every waking moment I just cracked open the laptop or I opened up the phone and I started working? Guess what? Folks, that is no way to live your life. Many of you, you work because you can, and hear me, you will always be able to find an opportunity to work. Number four, you might be an earning addict. I'm running out of time here. If you experience productivity shame, what do I mean by productivity shame? That basically means you feel bad anytime you take a break and you're doing something unproductive. You feel bad because you sat down on the couch and you propped up your feet, and you got a cup of coffee, and you read a book for two hours. And when you wake up, when you get up, you feel shame. You may say, I've never felt the shame for you. No, you'd be surprised. Some people can't even relax. They can't go fishing because as soon as they get out there, they're like, oh, Lord, I got this I got to do. What am I doing out here fishing? They go and they sit on the deer stand, and they're ready. And the first thing they do, they go, Lord, I got 12 people I need to call. Why am I, and you feel productivity shame. You might be an earning addict if you feel productivity shame. You feel guilty if you spend time on your hobbies or you watch a movie or you sit down and relax, amen. You might be an addict number five if your closest relationships are suffering. Hear me, one day you will quit your job. One day you will retire from your job. But guess what? You never get to retire from being a parent. You never get to retire from being a husband or a wife. And the people that pay the greatest price for toxic productivity, it's not your coworkers. They love it. Woo, Kevin's going to pick up my shift. Glory to God, I'm going to the beach this weekend. Davina's going to cover my session for me. I get to go out to the movies with my husband or my wife. Come on, I can always rely on Eddie. He'll work that extra 30 hours this weekend because I want to. You know, your coworkers love you. But it's your family and your relationships that suffer if you're never present and never available. Come on. You blow them off. You tell them they got to wait. You explain that you're too busy. You can never play with your kids. You, burn, you bury your head back in your laptop. You get back in the car. You're always on call. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody right now. Don't let your closest relationships die because you're stuck on the needle. Amen. And the last point, praise team, come on up. You might be an earning addict if there is no finish line. Well, I guess I'm going to do this to the day I die. Well, only if you choose to. Well, I, I, I took this part-time job. Because I had to pay for a wedding or I had to pay for some college debt or I had to pay, pay off a car that, that I, I had to go, my car blew up and I had to go buy some. I took, but now I'm stuck. I have no expiration date. I have no goal. I have no end game. I have no strategy to get out of the craziness. If there's no finish line, hear me. The challenge with being productive is that you always feel like there's more room to be productive. You always feel like there's more opportunities. I can be just a little bit more efficient. I can get a little bit more done. I'm going to master a new skill. I'm going to get more done in less time. And guess what? More time just creates more opportunity to work if you're an earning addict, which means there's no finish line. If you don't declare a finish line to your work, hear me, eventually your body will. It's called burnout. You tell an earning addict that they're going to they're going to burn themselves out. You know what they do? They'll laugh. They go, oh, I can sleep when I'm dead. And then they have a heart attack. <laughs> and next thing you know, man, they're laid up on the couch. And now they're changing their diet. They're changing their work strategies. They're like, oh, I'm going to make the rest of my life the best of my life. Man, why'd you wait till you were 55 to do that? Why don't you start when you're 35? You might say, well, you know, I, I just didn't expect it. You've got to have a finish line. Amen. Now, folks, let me tell you what we're striving for here, and I'm wrapping up. We are striving, and I want the camera to pan wide, please. We are striving to find balance between the couch and the needle. There's a sweet spot right in the middle. It's the balancing act. I've got to work with my skill set as unto the Lord, so I can bring Him glory and not sabotage my blessings and the relationships that are in my life. 
There's a sweet spot. And let me help you understand something. Everybody is different. Come here, Lisa. Let's say Lisa, come over here. Let's say this is Lisa's sweet spot on the scale. She's a high producer. She's, she's capable of doing a lot. And you know what? And Lisa has to find where she can work and where her marriage and her children don't suffer, where her ministry of music doesn't suffer, where her relationship with God doesn't suffer, where her health doesn't suffer. Come on, Ken, is this making sense to anybody? you got to find where you are on the scale. Now, guess what? What if I'm right here? What if this is my best? Remember the Scripture says, you do the best you can. Now, you know what our inclination is? We start to envy Lisa. Or somebody from the outside looks on and goes, man, he ain't doing his part. Why didn't he become like Lisa? Well, what if I'm not like Lisa? And I start itching this way, and I start itching this way, and next thing you know, I'm where she is, but guess where I really am? I'm doing more than I'm capable of doing. I'm doing more than God called me to do in this season of my life. I'm spending too much time at work and not enough time with my kids. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody right now. I'm spending too much time on my job and not enough time with my spouse. You got to find your spot. It's a balancing act. Thank you. I want you to stand with me all over this house. You don't need to live your life on the couch. You don't need to live your life getting the earning fixed. You need to pray about it. God, what do you want me to do now? And how much do you want me to do in this season? Amen? Ask God to show you where you are. Are you too much toward the couch? Or are you too much toward the needle? Here's another important question. Which way is God asking you to move toward today? I don't, doesn't matter where you're at on this rug. Doesn't matter where you're at on the scale. Here's the question that all of us need to ask. Which way does God want me to step? This way? Or does God need me to step this way? Am I capable of more? Yes, I am. Am I capable of more? Yes, I am. Or maybe God needs to say, you know what? You got a lot going on in your family right now. Your kids are a wreck. Your marriage is a wreck. You need to step back a little bit and put some energy into what's going to be eternal. Come on, I'm trying to help you today, amen? So here's what we're going to do. Praise team's going to begin to sing, and I'm just going to ask you to come from where you are, and I want you to just walk up front, and I want you to lift your hands and say, God, where am I? Where am I on the scale, and what do you want me to do to bring glory to you in my work life? Amen? This altar is open. Why don't you step out from where you are? And I'm going to pray for everybody here in just a moment. Come on out. Some of you right now, you need God to give you a better job. That's all right. I want you to come forward. I want you to begin to pray for God to give you a better job. Maybe you need God to give you a higher paying job. Maybe you're not appreciated on the job you're at.
mechanical ability or administrative ability. God, some of us, you've blessed us for the opportunity to be at home and raise our children. Whatever God work we're doing, help us to work heartily as unto you, Lord. Help us, God, to do our best so that we can be our best. Help us, God, in all that we're pursuing, everything we've learned these last four weeks, God. Help me to live in a place of contentment, but God, help me to always want to do better for the glory of God so I can be all you've called me to be. Lord, I pray right now, God, for those that are unemployed or those that are underemployed. I pray, God, that you would bless them financially. I pray that you would open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on the people of God today, Lord. I pray, God, those that are in jobs that are taking advantage of them, lead them to new jobs, God. Help them to find work that will edify them and will bring you glory. I pray, Lord God, that we can be good Christians on the job, that we can be good representatives and good ambassadors of Christ in the workforce. And God, we thank you for your blessing, and we give you glory and honor and praise. Let's give him some praise in this house. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me bring your attention to the screen. We have a baptism. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. this day once again we come to you Lord and we say thank you in the name of Christ Jesus this day is the day that the Lord has made let us be glad and rejoice in it because this day Austin Booth you're being baptized in the name of the Lord Christ Jesus yes Hallelujah. come on let's give God praise that's another one the devil can't have Thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.